0: It's a punk rock classrooms podcast, punk rock collaboration with Kate O'Connor.
1: Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Maybe you're driving. Hopefully it's hands-free, no cell phone. And I am Mike, Principal Extraordinaire out of Lansing, Illinois. And this is Josh Buckley, a social studies teacher from
0: Mesa, Arizona. And we want to welcome you to the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. We want to help you focus in on passion, unity, DIY, and bring those into your schools and your classrooms and really, really impact your classroom with that philosophy.
1: Yeah, you don't need to have that pleather, that fox leather studded belt or the the gauges you picked up at Hot Topic to stretch your earlobes out. Like we can all be punk rockers here bringing that passion, unity and DIY mindset. To our classrooms.
0: <laughs> My favorite thing is like having you decide what it <laughs> what is, <I'm> gonna, gonna, <laughs> what it's going to be that day. And it always, it always tickles me, Mike. Uh, so folks, <laughs> we want to welcome you to this episode of the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. You are in for a punk rock collaboration where Mike and I sit down uh, with an educator we know and ask him to come on and hang out with us and talk about the world of education and what they got going on, what topics they want to discuss and all that. And we are, we, we are, we are pleased to have Kate O'Connor with us today to talk uh, and to get into it and talk punk rock classrooms tonight, Kate, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate it. Yeah, of course. It. Yeah. Thank it's you.
1: Glad
0: we're, we're glad you got to came, come on here for us. We know Kate via the Twitter education sphere and all of that good stuff. We run in some similar Twitter education circles. And so, Kate, here's what I, here's what we need to do. We we need you to introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do in education? All the good stuff for the folks uh, listening in, so they can learn a little bit about you. Hit it.
2: I just I just have to say, uh, Mike, I feel really seen because I have pages.
1: <laughs> so nice. I, feel,
2: I feel represented
1: right now uh, <laughs> well you know the thing was i was starting to get mine like i was starting to get mine and i was i, I got it where you could see through it like and it they started small, to smell so, a little bit no, and
0: you were like no i don't want them anymore No, the
1: problem was that's when i got then i started student teaching mm. so then i was like ah so then i took him out and i just was like all right well i'm done
2: that's what happened to me with my nose ring
1: <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife too my wife had a nose oh.
0: ring and then she was teaching and now now she's like, and now she's like, she's like, I'm a principal. I could bring it back if I want. I don't even care. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but, yeah. I forgot to, I had one of the ones where it's in the middle of your nose yeah, and you I, it, yeah. I forgot to nice. whip it. And, uh, <laughs> I was just like, mm, this is not going to go well. I'm just going to get rid of it. And then, yeah, I, I just, it just lost its way, but yeah, I am. I am a gauged teacher. So nice. I wear that, wear that proudly,
1: sure.
2: <laughs> but, um, I am Kate O'Connor. I am a English and certified ENL teacher in upstate New York. Uh, this year I'm teaching ninth and twelfth grade English.
0: Ooh, that's a swing right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I did that. Yeah. I, I did ninth and twelfth grade before. Ooh, that's a trip sometimes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very like... weird, like ends of the spectrum throughout the day, but I actually have predominantly ninth grade courses okay. and I only teach one period of seniors. So um, pretty consistently teaching ninth graders throughout the day.
0: Uh, so I, Kate, I want to, I want to ask, so, you know, you, you've been sharing on, uh, on Twitter and, and some of the stuff you've been doing, you've been, you've been doing some blogs for teach better. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, about that process about, you know, what are, what do you, what do you get out of blogging? Cause Mike and I, we run a blog, we want, we run a website and there's a little self, there's like some self reward in there. And there's some like, what do you, what do you hope? I guess like what's what's the hope for the impact you have on it and then I wanted to like where do you decide what to write about when when yeah. you're, when you're when you're doing that so why don't you share us a little bit about about that work you're doing or or uh, you know what you're doing with that
2: so i've always been a writer and like obviously that iterates itself into my teaching ela as a subject but um i've also always been kind of my default setting is really being acutely aware of social justice especially how it relates to education so I love the the Teach Better crew. I love um, the environment that they create around certain conversations. And, you know, I've been inspired a lot by their conversations for change that started um, upon the murder of George Floyd last yeah. year. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, after I posted one of them, I, I spoke to them and I was like, how do I keep doing more, right? How do I keep bringing this to teachers at a at a pace and a space where it's leveling them in these concepts, right? Because when we're talking about social justice issues, um, I think a lot of people are newly arriving at them.
1: Right, yeah.
2: Um, And that's not to say that like, you know, by no means is, am I, um, or any of the work I'm doing, reflective of being an expert being a social justice oriented educator is the process of always learning and growing Um, but I want to give people who might just be picking it up a place to start um and give them things that they're like oh I've seen this in my classroom but I didn't have right like we do with our kids I didn't have language for that before and now you've kind of broken it down for me so that I can bring it into my room Um, So that's become really important to me. And the title of the series um, that me and Carrie Pitzik uh, imagined for it was Teach Beyond, right? Because I'm really trying to focus on how do we go beyond a Twitter chat on a Thursday night with these conversations that really are about how we make people's lives better, especially people who are marginalized, Um, how do we go beyond Twitter chats and reading a book and doing DEI work and actually live what we said in that one hour a week, right? So I give teachers through my writing, hopefully, um, the goal is to give them strategies and things to think about that they can then implement and see maybe even for the first time happening in their room.
1: I like that. And I you, you touched on a few key points I really want to point out. You said you're not an expert. In, and I think that that's something a lot of people, when, when everything started to unfold, you know, and all of, you know, the, the curtain was lifted and like people finally were like, yeah, we need to do something. There's a problem here. There was a lot in education where it's almost like they wanted that snap of the fingers and everything like we need to just tear everything down and change all this. And, you know, we had uh, Hedrick Nichols on and we had a similar conversation and it's, it's a process and we all have to learn together through this, how to get through it. So I think, you know, the way you're approaching it with, you know, like you said, putting out there and another thing you touched on. And I just, cause I just read this, um, in a book I was reading last night from Brent Coley. Um, you know, you said, hopefully it reaches one person. And he was talking in his book about having, you know, doing something and you're thinking, you know, man, only one or two kids out of my class took advantage of this or got something out of it. You know, only one person read my blog, but if it's going to impact that one person, who cares? Like, don't not do it because, you know, that one person or that one kid, if it's something in our classroom is relying on it. So, I mean, kudos to you. I think, I think it's a great, I love your approach to it. Like not saying like, here's what you need to do. We're talking, this is the answer is like, Hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I learned. And.
2: Right. Right. And my process really like, I'm thinking especially about um, my December post about um, diet culture in school spaces. And like a lot of people who gave me feedback on that one were like, I now see things that I never saw before that could be a function of issues in my classroom because you wrote that. Right. And that's really what I want out of that is if you have a classroom space and there's something that you don't experience because it's not happening to your body every day. Right.
0: right, Yeah. Think
2: about it in terms of what are my students who have this dealing with and how do I begin to see it and shift it in my own classroom space?
0: Right. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, I, I was just, I read the the one you did on sort of like the stigma of mental health. And are we, are we moving past, you know, we're we moving past that. And I think one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, w- one, what you just said, and then the writing that you've been doing is this idea of like, there's, there's resources within it that you're linking. There's like, here's something else you can read. And I really like this idea of, and, and this hit me, what you said, like this idea of like, what do we do beyond an hour? chat on Twitter, right? Because like, whether we want to admit it or not, those things move pretty fast. And it's a part of your day where you're like, oh, I participated in this. All right, now I got to tuck my, you know, I tuck my kid in, or I've got to start planning for my class, or I've got to, you know, wind down, I got to go take my dog out for a walk or whatever it is. And all of those things come in. And that, that, that sort of moment, is gone. It might've been really reflective. And and I think that's an, you know, I I think that that's an important piece of like growing is being able to participate in those reflective moments, but giving folks one more thing to kind of like, okay, well, we talked about this. Here's another way for us to, here's another piece for you to, to delve into, for you to look at, for you to, to take ownership of, and and for you to kind of like hit that. And, And I think you're right when we, when we talk about social and racial justice as educators, It is a continual learning process, right? Like coming to that space and saying, this is what I believe, this is what I want to accomplish you don't just go like, all right, I know it all, I'm done, right? Like we wouldn't say that for any of the kids in our classroom. We wouldn't say that for our own educational practices, right? You wouldn't tell a kid like, hey, you finished this unit. Awesome. You know, everything you need to know about transcendentalism, high five, right? Like that's not true. There's always more to to, to, to learn about that. Do you guys like, I did an English reference. I'm just, I'm uh, trying to, yeah, appreciate <laughs> that. but like that that piece of it, like there's always more you can learn. And as educators, we should embrace that concept, right? Like we don't have to be experts. Mike and I talk about this very often that like, look, we know if if you want to place it in the context of critical theory, if you want to place it in the context of, of intersectionality, Mike and I are, are two white guys, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we know that we don't know, right? If there's, if there's, if there's one thing we know, we know that there are perspectives that we lack, Right. And, and having conversations with people, listening to people, reading what people with other experience have to say or what they've experienced or how the things that we do or folks like us do really helps us continue to be better people. And, and, and as educators, that's what we should be trying to do, right? right. So. I appreciate the work. So, out of everything that you've written, you, you mentioned the one, uh, the diet culture one. But out of what you've written so far, what do you, what do you think is is either hit closest to home for you, or what do you think has been like the thing that you're you're really glad that you put that out in the world for folks?
2: Um, I think I'm gonna, you know, honestly say the diet culture piece um, because that is a pretty huge knowledge gap. Um, even among a lot of progressive folks, Um, because, you know, weight and body size are still kind of the thing that people see as something that you can change. And if you don't, it's kind of your own fault. Right. Um, So even when we talk about social justice and we're talking about race, class, gender, um, sexuality, you know, those are all things that are understood to, not be able to be changed about a person. So you shouldn't discriminate against them, but it's kind of like, you know, people still live in shame. And I have, um, a lot of experience with, um, disordered eating, you know, from growing up and being a middle schooler and being a middle school girl. Um, (laughs) so for me that's always been kind of personal and it's always been something that i feel is sort of a gap for people um even people who are the most well-intentioned when it comes to human rights um so for me that was one of the most personal pieces that had a big impact on me the writer and as i mentioned you know i I felt like when i shared it with people i i got a lot of really good feedback on it because people were like, this is something that I didn't even notice.
0: So let, let's, yeah. let's tackle that a, a, a little bit. So um, mm-hmm. for folks who haven't read the piece, I want I want to go read the piece, but what's something you think that if you were to kind of like pick one piece of that, where people could go like, I didn't recognize that in my classroom. I didn't recognize that in my school culture. What would it, what would that be? What's the one thing you could be like, is this happening? Because this is an example of, of, of that sort of issue.
2: Right. So something that um, has come up for me a lot um, is noticing, you know, especially in the Twitter world, um, this, this new phrase, like compassion over compliance. Right. And, you know, especially in the era of COVID-19 where kids are remote a lot of the time, um, teachers are, you know, justifiably frustrated with not having kids' faces in front of them. That's really hard because it's really difficult to teach 32 icons, you know. Um, But at the same time, you don't know what's going on behind that screen. You don't know who's shouting. You don't know whose siblings are also trying to learn. You don't know what students, and this is where it bridges my, my, my piece, is you don't know what student has an eating disorder. And then you know, you're trying to say, I want your camera on because I wanna see that you're engaged. But a kid with an eating disorder is now gonna be staring at themselves on the screen for 40 minutes or longer and not be able to focus. So they're actually disengaging with your content because they're focused on their body dysmorphia you know? Um, and that's something that a lot of teachers might not consider when they're thinking about what engagement looks like in this sort of setting.
0: As a, as um, it, and it is an incredibly vain person who stares at myself the entire time that I'm doing one of these. I, like, it never
1: occurred to me. That, like, I'm, I'm going to say, I mattered. never even, I never even would have thought that. I mean, and I've, I've, since this has started, I've, with, with our staff, I've told them, like they've come to me oh they don't turn their cameras on like and like, like i'm like i don't care like why do you care i go you know there could be a million things going on in their house you know the, the screaming and all that i'm like when the holidays came you know you've got your tree and your stockings and it's all decorated they have nothing like they're not gonna want to turn that on to show everyone but i didn't even think about that piece about you know if you already have a complex or a disorder like yeah that's
2: or, you know, it opens up kids to not only, like, am I self-conscious about myself, but cyberbullying. You don't yeah. know who's taking a screenshot and then posting it to Snapchat and fat shaming them.
1: Right. Yeah, you right, know, yeah. stuff
2: like that. So it's, we we have so many things to think about as far as the body and education, um, especially right
1: now. I think, I would hope that more educators kind of take your approach because when you were talking and, and we were saying, like, Josh, like, Josh, the Twitter chat You know, it's great. It's an hour or 30 minutes of your week and you're like, it's like you checked it off. Hey, I did. I did mastery chat this week. Okay. I did, you know, culture this week, whatever chat you, you participate in, um, I like to think of the chats almost like, like an appetizer, or it's like the preview for the big show. Like you get a good taste. I mean, well, how, it's what 240 characters is a tweet. I don't even know. I always run out of space and I have to delete stuff. Cause I, I, I can never do anything in a short amount. Um, that's why I don't do fleets. <laughs> my, my, my fleet video is gonna be more than 30 seconds, but I think like it's a good starting point. And I think more educators need to then, you know, we need more educators to blog and podcast and vlog. And, you know, you, cause I've gotten for some of my blogs, you know, an idea from a chat, like, man, that's, that's good. I want to expand on that or, you know, and I think that's, that's how we're going to learn and grow is with that expansion. So just again, kudos to you, Kate. Love hey, it.
2: Yeah, no. And you know, I just want to, like, I was thinking about this earlier, but with Twitter chats, it's really there's a lot of like it's a catch twenty two because they're really accessible, um, right? They're they're an hour of PD basically. Yeah. Right. Um, but also with respect to social justice issues, participating in a Twitter chat, it's really easy to feel like you did something. Right. Right. right yeah. Um, and it's it's like okay, but what does your classroom look like?
0: Right. right?
2: right. What is right, what does right. your classroom sound like? It's really easy to feel like you contributed to the overall change, but at the end of the day, it's an a spending an hour with people who already think like you.
0: Right. right. We're, we're all in these silos and they might like, and then I, I the other, you're, you're, you're right on that, this idea of like, but if it doesn't move you to change your practice, or reflect on your practice then you you just it's like any other pd right mm-hmm. like if i sat in a pd on my campus and then i left that and i didn't do anything with it mm-hmm. or i didn't you know reflect on but it or see how it, it might change it should make
1: me. you want to go out and say oh i'm going to find more research on this or more you know reading material yeah. on this or an actual professional you know half day full day professional development course on mm-hmm. this topic to learn more cuz it's a great start. And I mean, I'm not bashing Twitter chats because I, I try to no. do as many as I can. I've learned so ma- so much. I mean, if it wasn't for Tw- mastery chat, Josh and I wouldn't be here right now with you, you know, so.
2: Right. Um, it's it's always it's, just it's, a matter of Twitter chat, but then what?
1: Right. right. You know, there's yeah. there's got to, what's the next step? We need to, we need to expand on it. I, and it, it we, we, we treat our classrooms the same
0: way, right? Like, hey, we, we we took some notes on this. We talked about this, but then what? Right. If, if you don't do anything with it, if you're not using what you learned, if you're not applying it, then you just you just talked about it. So, so Kate, we, like I, here's here's the big thing. Right. And, I, and you started off the discussion about social and racial justice. So I want to I want to ask this question. And, and, you know, punk rock classrooms, we, you got to fight the man. You got to upend the system. You got to change things. You got to you know, you I, we think that like um Disrupting the norm and, and doing things a little different is important. So, my question for you is if there was one thing that you could change, disrupt, flip upside down, get rid of, and however you want to phrase the term of how you the action verb you want to use in education, what would it be and why?
2: Eliminate, eradicate, and abolish the school to prison to deportation pipeline.
0: That's, that's a very good one. Good one. So let's, let's have a con let's have a conversation about that. What does that mean for you? What is, what is, what is abolishing and, 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 and get, getting rid of it? What are, what do you see your role in, in doing that? Like, what does that mean for you, a classroom teacher? How do you participate in, in, in abolishing dismantling and getting rid of that?
2: Um, You know, I I was talking to someone about this today, actually, and, uh, you know, I think that, you know, as you just mentioned, like being, being punk rock is, you know, down with the system, but it's a matter of like these institutions, right? Mass incarceration, education, medical, healthcare, right? They all talk to each other and they all inform each other's existence. Um, So... If we have a, for example, right, the, the idea that there are prisons being built right now based on third grade reading test scores, right? So it's it's with the assumption that somebody's gonna be in a cell in the next 20 years because yeah. they have a low literacy level. So what are we doing, right? That that and then what? What are we doing when we see that kid scoring not so well? in between now and the time they could potentially commit their first crime. Right. So that we support them with things that actually make sense for who they are instead of just saying, well, Oh, that's just the way that that person's going to end up or, Oh, that's just the way that that group of people will end up.
0: Those kids, the worst phrase in education, I think is kids like that or those kids. Oh
2: gosh. (laughs) So, so between his first or her first or their first reading test. What interventions are we going to do? What behavioral supports are we going to implement that are responsive to who they are, who their family is, where they come from? You know, what are we doing to, for our ENL kids to eliminate the stigma of their ENL status and treat them like they're going to be bilingual and they're not just incapable and incompetent, right? right? So, it comes with changing the frame about who those kids are and looking at them as people who need extra help to accomplish the same goals as everybody else in the room. Yeah. You
0: you mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, sort of the English language learner part of it. And this idea of like, we would praise any, like we would praise students who are bilingual. Right. And, and, we would go like, Oh no, just take Spanish in high school. It'll be so useful for you. Right. Like we tell kids, I'm like, my daughter, my daughter's in college and we, we you know, we're like, um, all right, pick a foreign language. It's going to help. Right. Like pick something that works and what we, and and, and it's, and I'm in Arizona where we have English only education, where we made some terrible decisions at, you know, our state legislators made some terrible decisions around that. And, you know, we segregated kids for four hour blocks, like just, terrible stuff that we were doing to kids where we would, where instead of looking that, looking at that as like, this is a benefit for these students, because not only are they going to have that native language, right? They're going to have, you know, Spanish or, or, you know, whatever their, whatever their native languages, but then we're also, they're also going to have a second language though. Like how often are we like, oh man, I, a translator would be really helpful, right? Having Mm -hmm. someone bilingual in this position would be really useful. And what we're doing by, by having a system that treats those kids as a, as like, this is a deficiency for them, as opposed to this is a, this is a benefit for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a problem, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that's an area where, where yeah. you're like, that's awful.
2: I'm going to, I'm going to be really bold right now. And, you know, just straight up say it. If you're white and you know more than one language, you're praised. If you're Brown and you struggle to learn another language, you're looked down upon. Um, and that in and of itself, right. Is a sampling of institutionalized racism.
0: And, and you could you can take that and you can run and you could say the, like being in a, being in a community, you know, where we have, you know, a, a large portion of our population is, is Hispanic is, mm-hmm. you know, what we end up seeing is we see in campuses, the, the rate of students who are labeled as special education students or special needs students, right are often like in that realm of students whose first language isn't English, we like, instead of going, how do we support that kid to learn, you know, to learn English so that they can perform the task that we're measuring them on, we just go, ah, they can't perform that task. Right. Mm -hmm. So that must mean there's, that must mean that there's something, you know, as opposed to finding a way to support them in a native language or finding a way to give them the supports they need to be successful. We, we, we take that and we go like, oh, but it has to be, special education support that they need when it when in right. fact that is not true. And and those are that I mean that's the system we've created, right? And and sort of breaking that system is is an important way of, of doing that. So how do you, Kate, how do you Kate do that as a ninth grade English and teacher and twelve in twelfth grade. grade in upstate and <laughs> upstate New York? How do you what what how do you see your ability to do that as that ninth grade teacher?
2: So with, you know, with respect to the ENL populations that I've worked with before in other spaces that I'm in right now, um, just see them. See them for where they are and who they are and where they come from. You know, I always make it really, really a point to let my students know, I'm not here to take away your language. I'm here to give you another one, right? Because any person who graduates from this high school because you're a part of that group, right? You're not just the ENL kids who sit together in the cafeteria and do everything together all the time because those are the only people who you're told you can relate to, right? Everyone in this building is a teenager, except for the teachers. Everyone in this building has your age group in common. So why can't you relate to others outside your culture, right? and we sort of let them self-segregate, I I didn't. Um, When I was teaching ENL in the past few years, I would make it a point to add my ENL students and my gen ed students who were in the same classroom to groups together because I wanted them to make more friends. I wanted them to add more dimensions to who they are rather than looking at them from a deficit model as you mentioned, you know? Um, So I was always giving them that frame of, I'm here to add more skills to your life rather than take away your Latinidad, right? So that was, I was teaching Salvadoran students, Honduran students, Guatemalan students mostly. And I'm not here to take that away from you. I'm here to give you more things for you to work with because being well-rounded can serve anyone well.
1: I think it's a great approach. I like that. I'm here not to take away. I'm here to give and help mm-hmm. you make you stronger empower you to, I love it.
0: Yeah. I, I think that that's, that's a really, I mean, you, you're flipping that deficit mindset on, yeah. its, on its head, right? Say like, this isn't about, this isn't about taking away. You, you still get to hold on to culture and language and who you are, but what we're going to do is we're going to give you another skill. We're going to help you succeed in, in, in this area as well right so that you can add to your you can add to your you know what you've mastered
2: yeah, yeah and treat you like you're a part of
0: yeah you know mike and i talk about this idea of like relationships all the time right like we talk about like that crew so mentality that crew mentality of punk rock right like we're in this together we're going to we're going to we're we're strong together we're going to work on this together we're here to support each other that sort of mentality to go like what can we do to support the kids in our room? What can we do to support the kids in our school? How can we, how can we improve that? So I know that we could continue and I'm sure we could dive into a thousand other topics, but for the sake of time, we have one question that we ask all of our guests, Kate, and you are no different. Now it doesn't have to be punk rock. It could be whatever it is you're listening to, perhaps podcasts, perhaps whatever it is. What have you been listening to, Kate? What's what's getting you going? What what you maybe been, it's what an been, audible. Yeah, maybe it's an audible. What have you been listening to?
2: Um I'm super into instrumental um music. Okay. Um particularly I love explosions in the sky. Oh,
0: so um, I saw them. Oh,
1: it was so good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw them last year before the world was on fire. Um, <laughs> um, in 2019, I saw them live and they're incredible, but I, I really love explosions in the sky. So I actually, this morning on my way to school, uh, just kind of pressed like the Pandora version of Apple music and let other stuff yeah. that sounded like it come up and I've been I've been finding a bunch of really good, That's a good uh, stuff. stuff
0: there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Where can the folks find you online, Kate, if they want to find your blog, if they want to find you on the internets, where can they locate you?
2: Um, I am a huge Twitter person. So you can find me at just teaching ELA on Twitter. Um, also same username on Instagram. I'm not as active on Instagram. Um, but my, my blog posts are actually always up on my Twitter in my link section. So okay. you can always read, um, my latest up there, but yeah, I'm super active on Twitter. Love to connect. Hit Fantastic. Me
0: up yeah. So nice. you can find, you can find Kate on Twitter, go find her at just ELA or just teach at just teaching ELA. Uh, and then you can find Mike and I in the Twitterverse and on Instagram at the same handles because we were lucky enough to get them both. Uh, so Punk Classrooms, you can find the show there. Uh, and you can find Mike at Mike R. Earnshaw. And you can find me at Josh R. Buckley because we just happened to be born right next to each, right near each other in the timeline. And Brian is the best middle name that anybody. That's has right. <laughs>
1: it's,
0: like, it's like the most Midwest, Midwest Catholic middle name that they could give you. So that's what they doled out to us so uh uh, you can find us there again you can find us on the internets at punkrockclassrooms.com we've got the blog we've got the podcast you can find uh show notes all that good stuff all right everybody thank you for tuning in kate thank you for being here and having me yes
1: yes thanks for being there mike and i are gonna see see you at at the show